This is Matt Wells at UN News. UN humanitarians raised the alarm on Tuesday over frightening levels of child hunger in northeast Nigeria that are linked to more than a decade of violence by non-state armed groups. In the three states where needs are greatest, Borno, Adamawa and Yobi, more than 1.7 million children under five are already at risk of serious malnutrition. With more, here's the UN's resident and humanitarian coordinator for Nigeria, Matthias Schmel, talking to UN News' Daniel Johnson. I am in Geneva with colleagues from the UN and NGO sector to raise the alarm bell over the situation in northeast Nigeria. We've appealed as per what we call the humanitarian response plan for $1.1 billion to support 5.5 million people. That was the ask at the beginning of the year. This appeal is so far only 20% funded. And we are really worried that if we don't get further funds soon, and we need a priority 350 million soon to avoid a much worse crisis later in the year. And by much worse, I mean, for example, that there are currently already 1.7 million children under five at risk of serious malnutrition. If we don't reach and support them soon, uh, 300,000 of them may be at risk of dying because of serious malnutrition. So we're ringing the alarm. We need money now to avoid the crisis becoming even worse. We haven't spoken about northeast Nigeria for a while, so maybe we should go into that. In addition to that staggering number of children who are already acutely malnourished and risk severe acute malnutrition, there are many areas you can't actually get to. I think that's one thing that people want to know about. How many people are affected in those inaccessible, hard-to-reach areas? Who is stopping you from getting in? So I think indeed it is important that we recall that the humanitarian needs are caused by a protracted non-international armed conflict. Um, The group that is known to be behind this is called Boko Haram. And this has gone on for, I think, 12 years now, the, the conflict in the Northeast. Boko Haram has split. Meanwhile, there are now two factions, and one of them called ISWEP has quite a strong presence on the ground. They control an area where we believe there's a million people, at least, who do not have access to international assistance. Uh, They are cut off from the rest of the world and are, as far as we can tell, we don't have access, but reports that filter through are that they are extremely vulnerable and really in need of urgent assistance. So that's a pretty horrifying picture. Just try and explain what it is that these people might need from day to day. Yeah. So it really is, as in so many conflict-caused humanitarian needs situation, about basic needs. Uh, shelter, of course. Many are displaced. So outside the non-accessible areas, there are at least 2.2 million people displaced as a result of the conflict. So we can reach them, but they are displaced. They are not in their original home. So shelter is an important need. Food, we are talking, we're ringing the alarm bell today about malnutrition and food insecurity. So food is a second big need. A third one is water sanitation, water, safe water to drink. Those are the basic needs, uh, not to mention, of course, those displaced uh, need access to basic services and especially education and health. Uh, Many of the children are out of school, their education will be stunted, uh, and they don't have access to proper health services. You say that the need is right now for 350 million. If not, it's going to get worse because we're entering the lean season. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that last year's lean season lasted longer than usual because of climate change. So how are climate shocks affecting the populations you really want to reach? So 
More generally speaking, I often hear in Nigeria, I've been there a little over seven months now, that the Sahara is moving south, and with the Sahara moving south, meaning increasing desertification and deforestation. And because the northeast, it's the north, it's the northern part of Nigeria that is closest to Sahara, and there are other parts of Nigeria, notably the northwest, that are affected by this. So the non-conflict related part of this is desertification, deforestation, which means agriculture becomes more difficult, which means that herders are moving south to find pasture for their cattle, their animals, which then leads in turn also in Adamawa state, for example, one of the three northeastern states to some conflicts between herders and farmers. So that's another way uh, this is manifests itself. But the main issue really of desertification and deforestation made more complex by conflict is access to arable farmland and for herders to have their cattle graze. And of course, if you can't get there, you can't help, you can't put in place those development programs that are so needed. And I was going to ask you next about how you've seen the impact of the Ukraine war. How's that impacted on your work and on vulnerable populations in Nigeria? So initially, I have to say there was some speculation, sadly, there's war economy involved, that as an oil-producing country, Nigeria might actually benefit from the war because of rising oil prices. The unfortunate reality, looking at it through that lens, is that Nigeria has many problems with refining oil and thus actually imports refined oil. And thus there is an, a negative impact of the crisis also in these terms. The main impact, however, that we're seeing so far is rising food prices around the world. You know, We try to prioritize local purchases. Uh, Nigeria, despite what I've just said in terms of the Sahara moving south and increasing climate change impact, it in principle, in my understanding, is a country that could feed itself. So across Nigeria has enough arable land if it was managed properly, including making sure that produce gets to markets. Nigeria would have a far less dependence on food imports than it currently does. So back to your question, our main worry is we are seeing inflation across the world and the stuff we need to buy, including to help people in the northeast, is getting more expensive and thus crowding out the aid we have. To turn that round, that must be one of the UN's major objectives. Uh, so, so how are you, as the resident and humanitarian coordinator in the country, trying to garner the support and, of course, the funding for non-emergencies, for longer-term sustainable investment in agriculture, in farming, so that this can actually happen. The country can stand on its own two feet. So that's, I think, a very pertinent, important question. I strongly believe with many of my colleagues in the UN and international community that Nigeria will not move forward as a result of international aid. International aid will not make the difference. And to illustrate this a bit, the Nigerian government has one item in its federal budget that is about fuel subsidies on fuel subsidies alone, they spend double of what the international community brings in in aid. And Nigeria has a vibrant private sector. Some of the richest people in the continent live and work in Nigeria. So in my mind, and this is based on analysis shared by many others, the resources are in Nigeria. This is then essentially about a couple of things. One is good governance. You know, we are in the middle of an election season. The current president has reached the end 
end of a two-year term. So hopefully, as part of elections, candidates will present credible programs on how to fix Nigeria, and we see it as our role to help promote a dialogue around what are the solutions, the homegrown solutions, that's one. Clearly, there's investment needed into infrastructure. A big part of the problem of food that's produced not reaching markets is infrastructure, collapsing infrastructure. So priority is that. I think a big part of it is investment into young people. And so we're working with the private sector, in fact, and government to see what public-private partnerships can be established to bring young people into employment. Nigeria has a staggering 100 million people below the poverty line predicted by the end of this year and at least 50% of those are young people under the age of 25 so there also needs to be a prioritizing of what can be done to revive the economy and get young people into uh, income earning opportunities. Thank you, Matthias Schmel. One final question. I can't let you go without asking about the most recent attack in early June in the church in the southwest. Now, that was pretty unusual, and it was horrific. So what does that tell us about the state of the country, or is it linked to the elections? I mean, what's the takeaway that we need to remember about Nigeria today? I always hope that it will be a balanced takeaway. So on the one hand, the vibrancy of the economic sector, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurship and innovation going on. So there is that part that we shouldn't overlook. On the other hand, to come back to your question of the horrific attack in a Catholic church in the southwest, there are some worrying indications of violence around the country. And the most horrific aspect, apart from at least 40 people being killed, of course, of this attack in the church in the southwest, was that government says very clearly these were ISIS fighters. So they've made their way across the northwest into the southwest. You know, it, it isn't very spread at this point. But from my analysis and what I've heard so far, this is not election per se related violence. I think this is violence that is linked to the large number of people in poverty and disenfranchised. You know, it's, it's either more terrorist groups, as they are labeled, like ISWAP, or it's bandits and kidnapping. You know, there's a kidnapping economy across Nigeria. Violence against women is rampant. These are the two things I think one needs to take away from talking about Nigeria. There is hope, there is potential, it can feed itself, but then there is spreading violence, failed governance, and that needs to be tackled for this not to end up in total disaster, and it doesn't have to end up in total disaster.